0: Alright everybody, this is the Stress South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. This is episode 33. Today we got Joe Mole on here to talk some turkey land management. Um, Before I get into the details, I want to let everybody know, go on our YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, get on Facebook, find that post for that giveaway. We're doing a giveaway for an Alps Grand Slam turkey vest. All you gotta do, go on Facebook, like and share the post, then go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, and if you want, hit that little bell beside it. That way you get notified every time we come out with a video, and right now, we're throwing videos on YouTube pretty quick. We've got a lot of hunts right now, actually, that are waiting to get put on there. So, we're bringing it to y'all, and with this episode here, this is a really good one. If y'all wanna know anything about managing your land for turkeys, this is it. I mean, Joe really knows his stuff when it comes to land management. Um, if you're new to hunting, this one is a really great one for you. But and also, even if you're a veteran, it's still a good one. Um, we talk about uh, population, you know, decrease or increase and, and why why we think it is the way it is. Um, we talk about what turkeys need as far as habitat and, um, and the, the biggest thing for anybody that's new, stick around to the end. We talk a lot about, you know, how to find birds and what you, what things you can do to get birds and, uh, find birds on your properties. Um, but this one is a really great episode. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: all right everybody we're back with another episode turkey season is in full swing it's been going on for three weeks now four almost going on four weeks and it is a fantastic time of the year and today we have a guest and his name is joe mole he is the owner of lost lake custom turkey calls He is a US Open champion. He's done work with the NWTF. Um, He was a producer for those guys several years ago and he's done, he went to school and got a degree in wildlife management. So he's a little bit certified, I guess. (laughs) And uh, we're gonna talk to him today about a lot of stuff, talking about like turkey habitat you know, and then I'll, we're gonna we're also gonna talk about all kinda of other stuff too aside from just turkey habitat. But um I got Joe here. What's up, Joe?
2: I bought a Ryan great House. How you doing?
1: I'm alright, man. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'd I'd be doing a lot better if uh, I could find a, a goblin
2: turkey. <laughs> but <laughs> I tell you what, the weather's uh it can't make up its mind whether it wants to be winter or summer. I don't know what the deal is. I guess it's spring in Georgia.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I know it's it's hot. It was hot today, and it was hot. Man, it was so
2: hot. It was hot today and yesterday. Oh, I've noticed that when the barometric pressure is low and you have humidities high and it, and it's just hot and muggy, the birds, they don't seem to gobble much. I don't – and it's like you can't force them to gobble either. It's like, no, I'm not playing today, maybe another day. And and at that point, you almost have to deer hunt them. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'd rather call them in and have them strutting and gobble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, how many <clears> birds <throat> have you <throat> called in so far this year?
1: Um think i've only called in one um i mean we've worked some birds when i've, I've worked some birds you know hunt with other folks and
2: but the only yeah. one i
1: think that i have actually called in and got shot was just one and i think that was on opening day okay um aside from that hunting by myself when i'm whenever i'm by myself i don't know it's, got some bad juju on me or something because I, <laughs> I have yet I have yet to have a turkey gobble back at me while yeah. I'm in the woods by myself
2: you got to find that lucky rabbit Ryan yeah I mean, I've, heard, the, uh, I've
1: I've heard some birds gobble I mean I've heard gobbling in the woods you know by myself but I have not had a turkey gobble at me
2: when I call to them. <laughs> so I know, right? It's been, uh, I, it, it's, just, it's been pretty rough. That is a very, it's a very humbling experience when, when, uh, you, you think you sound so sweet in your mind and, uh, no one wants to play. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of the lucky rabbit, uh, I once t- uh, hunted with, uh, Preston Pittman one time and I told him about, you know, whenever I would, be driving on the way to the turkey hunt you know it's still dark and everything if I ever saw a rabbit out moving around seemed like it was a good day uh, for hunting but if I ever saw a possum or a nocturnal animal like a raccoon it wasn't going to be a good day for turkey hunting and and that messed up Preston and he was like man I'm going to have to ride around until I see a rabbit before I even go to the woods now <laughs> mm, well
1: you know, it is. It is actually. It's, it's almost kind of insane that you said that because I don't know how my day's going to go tomorrow. Which I hunted this evening, and it was. Of course, it was. It was really bad. I heard no turkeys. Which I still got to get out there, and that's that's the best thing. But last night, um, I walked outside, had to go get something out of my truck and there was a rabbit outside right beside my truck okay all right but went to bed my dogs woke dogs woke us up barking and i was like well y'all yeah, want to go so i let them outside well 20 30 minutes later it's like three o'clock in the morning they're out there fighting a possum in my backyard
2: yeah so,
1: I saw I saw a rabbit
2: and a possum last night, so I don't know what kind of luck that is. <laughs> well, it, you know, it. Uh, I think they canceling each other out. <laughs> yeah, I hope. So. <clears throat> well, I just have to find another know, rabbit. Now. You know as well as I do, uh, a rabbit and a possum probably doesn't have nothing to do with it, but we like. We like to have stuff like that oh, to yeah. go by. Make, makes it fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Well, we'll get into uh, a little bit of stuff here. First off, what we're going to do is we're going to do some rapid fire Q&A. Sounds good. And, uh, fire away. I Really, anybody out there that's listening, if y'all think we need to come up with a better name than that, I mean, I've done this for about six or seven episodes now. I guess we're just going to keep calling it rapid fire Q and a, but I like it. Um, but, but yeah, what you'll do, Joe, just give me like a, just give me like the shortest answer, you know, a one or two word answer. I mean, there'll be, there might be a couple of them. You might have to, you know, go in a little more detail, but just the shortest answer possible.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Um, all right. Favorite comfort food.
2: Ooh, favorite comfort food, I'm going to have to go with mac and cheese. Ooh, good one, mac and cheese. I like
1: it. All right, um, dog or cat person? Dog. Dog, yeah, I figured. Oh,
2: yeah. Of course, Um, at this point, if anybody wants a Labradoodle, mine is chewing everything, uh, I'll give her away for free. (laughs)
1: All right, there you go. You need a Labradoodle. There you go. Yep. All right. Um, uh, biggest pet peeve in turkey hunting.
2: Um, biggest pet peeve in turkey hunting. Uh, when the turkeys don't answer my calls directly, they give me a courtesy. They give me a courtesy <laughs> gobble. Yeah,
1: they give you, you call, and then they wait, like, four or five seconds, and then they gobble.
2: Yeah, come join the party if you want to, but I ain't coming yeah. to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to say, that's, that really gets under my skin, too, and and I, but see, that's the thing, I haven't even been hearing courtesy gobbles, though,
2: <laughs>
1: so, uh, I guess that's a good thing, it's a little bit less of a tease. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah. All right, um. Uh, number one person that you would like to meet at any time in history? Jesus. Jesus? Yep. Really good answer. Really good answer. Um, Go ahead. um, Now, one more. Favorite cut on a mouth call? Ghost cut. Ghost Cut, Yeah. I figured that's what it was gonna be. Yeah. Alright, uh, yes, yeah, so If anybody out there, if y'all don't know, uh, if y'all don't know Joe, uh, he's, I mean, he makes some really awesome mouth calls. He's, you know, he's got Lost Lake, and I kinda knew that. I, I kinda knew that that was probably his favorite cut was a Ghost Cut. Um but we're gonna, we're gonna get into the actual podcast here, and we're gonna start talking some turkey. Um, now we'll, we'll go, we'll kind of go over, I got two things wrote down here and we'll kind of hit those two things first and then we'll get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast. All right. Um, I'll start it off with, uh, what do you think is the number one thing that
2: it takes to kill a turkey? Ryan, the number one thing to kill turkeys. You ready for it? You gotta have turkeys to kill turkeys. Right. If you ain't got, if you ain't got them, you ain't gonna kill them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what, Ryan? I, I I found some good news today. I yeah. found two million. I found two million acres that me and you can hunt, and and we probably won't have much competition as far as other turkey hunters the bad news is just the sahara desert <clears throat> oh yeah. yeah we won't call too yeah. many turkeys out there will we
1: i tell you what we, we might have the uh <laughs> we might have the calling and the the all that done down pat but the turkeys we probably won't have <laughs>
2: You, we might get rich and find some oil. I don't know.
1: I guarantee you,
2: we'll find that before we find turkey. That, that's you. that's for sure. That's for sure. You know what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, 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 and to to get into, uh, you got to have turkeys to to kill turkeys. <clears throat> it's all about, uh, you know. Of course, being in the right place. Of course, right. You know.
0: Right. But.
2: Yeah yeah I mean, and it varies all all across the country as far as habitat and I think the number one common thing that seems most turkeys like is early succession early succession that's that's the new growth and to promote early succession, you gotta do a few things you can either burn prescribe burn, you could do uh disking with a hera or or a disc. Uh, breaking up the ground, or you can, uh, you can mow. Um, or, or you could spray with herbicide, I guess, if you want to kill some, like, tree saplings that's growing up in a clear cut, you can spray with herbicide to promote like that. That's expensive. I don't know why you'd do that, but. Yeah, the big, the biggest thing is early succession. And of course, you gotta have trees for them to roost in, so. What I have seen is, if you have land and you're a landowner, um, if you're making a lot of money, you're not maximizing wildlife. If you're making a lot of money, you're not you're not maximizing wildlife because you're doing something well. Either you're growing nothing but trees, or you're you're having nothing but cows, or you're you have an irrigation pivot and you're growing crops. You know, you're doing something that's going to make you money and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, also, uh, if you're, if you're not making a lot of money, if you're doing absolutely nothing on your property, which is even worse, um, you're not going to have wildlife. You're not going to maximize wildlife as well because you're just letting everything grow up thick you know and it takes right. a long it takes a long time for nature to get to the point where it's good habitat again so what we like to do is kind of help nature along um i think Fine. diversity diversity is probably the biggest key in in uh in in holding a lot of a lot of animals not just turkeys and not only diversity, but to break it up into smaller, you know, chunks. Don't think 50 acres of, of some certain thing, like maybe 50 acres of trees or 50 acres of a field. Think on the terms of one and two acres, maybe five acres max, you know, breaking it up into smaller chunks. <clears throat> the more you break it up, the more you create edge. And edge, right. uh, deer, deer love edge, uh, turkeys like edge, um, rabbits, quail, I mean, there's lots of wildlife that uh, really benefit from edge. Um, when I say edge, mm-hmm. I mean the transition from one habitat type to another, like maybe from a field to woods or from clear cut to woods or from field to clear cut. You know thick yeah. stuff pine, open pines, stuff. The yes. old woods <laughs> and there's a way to own land and and be able to there's a way to own land and be able to grow you know timber and make money on it and crops and still do wildlife on the side. It all depends on the land of, uh it all depends on the objectives of the landowner you know does he mainly right. want to have wildlife? or does he mainly want to make a lot of money? You know, you can't have, you can't have, but all of the above, you know, something has got to give. And unfortunately in this country, a lot of times, um, uh, money speaks louder than, than playing. Uh, when I mean playing, I mean like, you know, recreational entertainment. Right. So, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. and actually, that's a lot of great stuff there. And, uh, that made me think about uh, one thing you said. We had a um, we had a lease place we could hunt a couple of years ago, and it was actually it was a phenomenal place. But I mean, it was it now, and I, I agree with you. You can't really you can't have both if you're a property that really just does just just manages for like timber, and they're just trying to make money off of it um you can't you can't really have both now but this place i was actually surprised and we'll get into this a little bit later i don't want to i don't want to wanna hit on one thing before we actually start getting into this but there were there were turkeys on it um the whole property was mostly pines but that property was kind of unique because it all around the property was hardwoods the property did have a really, like a 30-acre pasture on it, but yeah. all the property around it was hardwoods. So, now those pines were thick, they were really thick, but the turkey still went through those pines a pretty good bit. But, um, but um yeah, I agree, you can't, now could it have been better than, yeah, it could have been a lot better. It really, it actually made it really hard to hunt deer on it. Um because the pines just wasn't mature enough and they got four or five hundred acres that they can roam and never be seen. So
2: um Yeah, it, I mean, of what, that, you, what you want to tra- what you want to try to avoid, Ryan, is a monoculture. And when I mean monoculture I mean the same thing across the entire property, whether it be nothing but planted pines nothing but clear-cut, nothing but farmland, nothing but pasture land. The more diversity right. you have, the more diversity you have, the better off, and the smaller that diversity is broken up, the better off you are. That's that's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All
1: right. Um,
2: and we'll touch on
1: – I got one more thing here – and then we'll really get into detail about managing and what turkeys need for land and all that good stuff. Um, all right. Population. Uh Have you seen a decrease or have you seen an increase? And why do you think, whatever your answer is, why do you think that?
2: Well, um, You know, when I went hunting for the Nashua, when I was hunting with them, you know, on the TV show as a producer going all over the country, I would see tons of turkeys in Kansas, you know, tons of turkeys in Texas. Um, Seemed like the areas that had less hunters had more, more turkeys, but also, you know, a lot of people like to blame the coyote. But there's plenty of coyotes in Kansas. There's plenty of coyotes in, oh, yeah. uh, in Texas, and they have tons of turkeys. So right. that is not, that's, that's not, I think those areas may tend to get less rain. It, uh, you know, rain effects, uh, if you get a ton of rain one spring, it could affect uh, the hatch. The pulse might not do as good. They're probably more prone to, Get diseases or something if they stay cold and wet the whole time, versus uh, a dry a dry period. But that's not the biggest thing. That's not the biggest thing. And yes, to answer your question, I have seen a decrease here in the south, and more so more so in the agricultural areas where there's a lot of row crop. And seems yeah. like when I go to, go to the Piedmont areas and I go to the mountain areas, seems like there hasn't been a decrease there and, and not really an increase. It's just kind of held steady, but yeah. I have, I have to wonder. And I'm not saying this is the case, but when I was in ABAC, uh, Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College studying wildlife management, our professor said, um, That was a wildlife technician over at WMA, and the states were low on funds. And he wanted to fertilize his food plots, but instead of using, you know, spending a lot of money on pelletized fertilizer, he used chicken litter. Well, he spread chicken litter all out on the food plots, and all of a sudden the turkey population dramatically uh, just fell off the 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 graph pretty much and they they finally figured out that chickens carry a disease called uh, blackhead disease that also can be transferred to the turkey population now interesting how all these farmers in the 1990s were using pelletized fertilizer and we had tons of turkeys but now everybody is starting to transition into chicken litter because it's cheaper and uh right. you know cheap, they're always going to go with the cheap i mean it, you're adding see that you're adding organic matter with chicken litter whereas you're not doing that with the inorganic pelletized fertilizer so that's good and there's nothing wrong with chicken litter as long as you let it sit there and ferment long enough to kill anything that might be in it. So I think yeah. if farmers were, were aware of this, they might would let it sit and ferment uh for a few months before they spread it out and uh maybe we could try to uh see, you know do that and see if there's a, there's a difference in the turkey population, see if we see a jump. I don't know. I just like I said, I hate to point a finger at it, but that's my observation and uh maybe we need to study it a little further
1: yeah um yeah that's that's really that's really really good uh observation i which I wasn't even aware of that um, man that's that's pretty deep there, I know. I, mean, I, didn't w- I don't want this whole episode to be about population, but I mean, we are talking about turkey land management. And, I mean, I think the biggest thing, the number one thing that's going to give you turkeys is management, like if you manage your land correctly.
2: Um, oh, well, but, yeah. Oh, not, without a doubt. Without a yeah. doubt. But we we still want to try to study and kind of be biologists. I mean, even though we're not that's not necessarily our title as hunters. We, we are still conservationists and it's up to us to observe and try to pay attention to different things in our surroundings. And there's nothing wrong with bringing up a, a topic like that. We're not trying to knock farmers down by no means at all. And we're not trying to knock the chicken litter business down. I just, like I said, I, I think it needs to sit a while and and be able to ferment and, and kill off anything that might be transferable to the turkeys because when you throw chicken litter out and i've seen it tur- turkeys do it in in cow pastures they all the time they're pecking through the patties and stuff trying to find oh, bugs yeah. and, i mean turkeys eat all kinds of food which is a good oh, thing yeah. because if they just ate one thing it would be hard to it would be hard to keep thing. them alive yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's, that's
1: really great. You know, I did a, it was actually two episodes back. I think it was episode 31, I believe. We did a podcast okay. with, uh, Dr. Mike Chamberlain, a wildlife biologist, works at UGA. And, uh, we talked a lot about that. And, and his, his theory was that, uh, which he didn't, I don't even, Maybe a good thing to talk to him about what you just said. I don't even know if they might be. He might even be aware of it. Um, but his theory was it was kind of a, um, it's almost like a, a melting pot, basically. Like it's 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 not really can't really pin it down on one thing. It's it's a multitude of things um that's making the deacon, and he even said that there has been a decrease there is a decrease in population for sure and um
2: oh yeah well so we, i got we, another like
1: you said i was going to say like you said i mean we you can pretty much kind of rule the the coyote out i mean yes predators predators do eat Turkey eggs they and they kill turkeys if they get the chance to, but I think coyote is probably the least likely predator that's gonna be eating turkeys now,
2: yeah I would put a, I, I would will. put a bobcat I would put a bobcat as far as eating a full grown turkey as the number one predator oh, well yeah. actually the number one number one predator I would put a human a hunter. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. as far as other than us, yeah, bobcat is one of the best hunters, and also maybe some snakes get into the at the nests and eat oh, yeah. eggs. Oh, yeah, you know, but, but uh, speaking of predators, yeah, we can't point at predators, but we don't want to give them a huge opportunity, um, to yeah. capitalize on eating turkeys, which. I don't know about the new baiting law uh in Georgia. I mean, I understand uh both sides, and I don't want to bring it up and have a big controversy here, but you do have to admit that a corn feeder that goes off at certain times and the turkeys get used to it, the predators also get used to it. the turkeys coming to the feeders, And it's almost like creating a food plot for the predator, for him to sit there. So I think if you are going to have feeders, you need to put them in very open areas and not have any thick bushes or cover right next to the feeder that makes it easy for, you know, a predator to come out and, and ambush a turkey. Now, obviously, in Georgia and many other states, we cannot bait turkeys. Even though there are yeah. people that still have corn in their feeders year round, however, uh, we have to consider uh, the turkeys year round because during deer season, while we're baiting for deer, there's nothing keeping the turkey coming to feed at at uh, at the feeders. So, uh, like I said, right. if you're going to have feeders, you need to feed in areas where uh, predators. Are less likely to be able to ambush a turkey. You know, we don't want to make it easy meal no for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. And, uh, and that's the thing with coyotes. Coyotes are really not gonna, most of the time, I don't even think that they would attempt to try to get a turkey if it wasn't, easy, unless they knew it was a sure thing. You know what I mean? Um, I think coyotes. Yeah, I mean, especially coyotes are more of a opportunist than anything.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And you know, I think a coyote is fairly smart for an animal, and they have learned that turkeys have very good vision and and their hunting abilities are. Uh, it it kind of feels like me trying to turkey hunt sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we get very think- humble you know hey, I,
1: don't, I, I i'll tell you this i i think in a way we may be we may be a little better than a coyote at hunting turkeys because uh i'm i'm telling you i've told this story before but and i'll tell it again just so you can hear it but i'll make it real brief we were hunting this place me and chase baker were hunting it's been years and years ago um and I've seen, I've even seen this happen on, on TV. I, was, I can't even remember what show it was, but it was a hunt. And, uh, basically the same thing happened. But we, uh, had this hen come up on us. She came up in our setup and she was all calm and chill and she was cool. And we weren't moving. We were just sitting still watching her. And all of a sudden she flies up in the tree. And we're like, what, what's going on? What is she doing? and five minutes maybe maybe even 10 minutes went by she's still in the tree and then a coyote comes running through and cody disappears and you can see like the whole time that cody's coming in you can see her up in the tree she's looking down there at him and he's all on the ground you know looking for a turkey or looking for whatever and um cody disappears Couple minutes go by, turkey flies back out of the tree, lands on the ground and goes about her day.
2: Um That's they safe. know. <laughs> they know. Well uh, the <laughs> thing about you she saw the coyote coming, you know. Yeah. But either yeah, either I mean, saw
1: him or heard him.
2: Or maybe all of the above, right? We we Right. We right. know we know she didn't smell him because if a turkey if a turkey could smell like a deer, we'd be all in trouble. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I tell you what, if if a turkey could smell like a deer, you wouldn't have to worry about turkey population going down.
2: <laughs> I, I know, right? That, yeah. That would. That yeah, for real.
1: So, but you wouldn't be able to hunt them.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, go ahead. It's just,
2: I think, you know, and I agree with the biologist. You said his name was Mike. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's not just one factor that limits turkey populations. It is a bunch of them, but some of them are greater than others, for sure, for sure. I just think, as as hunters, oh, yeah. we just again, we need to be aware of. Of, of what's going on, you know, and, and most of the time it could just be a, a big change of habitat. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if, if you yeah. had some, it, i tell you a perfect example. There was one place I used to hunt. Um, they had just clear cut several areas. Um, but also they had big trees as well dispersed throughout the property. And that year there was turkeys everywhere. And one year later that that clear cut growing and getting thicker, I mean it the turkey population dropped big time. Where yeah. instead of hearing instead of hearing ten gobblers from one spot, you you heard one. Right. Um of course of course some of that had to do with me killing, you know, turkeys the previous year. <laughs> <laughs> um But I don't think me killing turkeys the previous year had a whole lot to do with it because as a hunter, um, especially when I'm not hunting public land, I I tend to pass up jakes. Every now and then I might make a mistake uh, of uh, thinking one's a long beard and I only see the head and I'm getting excited and take one out by accident. But if I know it's a jake, I like to pass them up because I'm – I'm guaranteeing, well, not necessarily guaranteeing, but I'm trying to make sure I have long beards for the next year. That's kind of like my stock for next year's long beards.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's basically the same idea as you're never going to shoot a 150-inch deer if all you do is shoot spikes.
2: That's right. But I will say yeah. this. I will not pass up the two-year-old gobbler. Oh, no. It, I got a general rule. If his fan is round, he's going down. Oh, yeah. Deer. Got, that's that's, that's yeah, my turkeys are,
1: turkeys are not, turkeys are not, like, just not deer. Like, you can't hunt them the same as you do bucks. Um, no. Because you don't know. Like, the you don't know how old he is until after you kill him. Um. My God, yeah. but you don't. Yeah, I mean, really, you don't know how big he is until after you kill him. That's that's a better way to say it.
2: Yeah. Um. That's right. But because uh a two-year-old, a two-year-old can have an 11-inch
1: beard. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, uh, and that made me think of another thing, and this is kind of good because it's actually kind of leading into uh, a little bit more on management, um. And it's got a little bit to do with population. Uh, what do you think? And it's kind of like what you said. Um, you know, one year place will have birds and then the next year or two or three years later, it won't, it won't have any. Um, I've had, I've had a property like what you said before. I, I had one, we had one property we hunted. They, they came in and they cut it. They clear cut it. Right before turkey season, I mean, it was like two weeks before the season is when they got done, and it really put a damper on the turkeys that year. I think it it kind of pushed them out because they were in there cutting for so long right before the season started. And, That's right. Uh, I, now I will say I think let's, yeah, my brother that year, I mean they they just got done cutting and it was two weeks or whatever, and then season started. My brother killed one on opening weekend, and then that was it. We hunted the whole season, not even didn't see a single turkey, no turkey sign, nothing and On the last weekend of the season, I killed a bird now fast forward a year after that, it was absolutely loaded down with turkeys okay and maybe and and then of course you know after after the next year it, you could see it started going down again like the turkey numbers started going down a little bit but it was like i guess because they cut it because of the timing of when they cut it it didn't yeah, really grow right. a lot it didn't that's grow right. a lot was... that first year and then it really grew it was... a lot after the second year
2: that's right yeah i mean turkey's uh you're not going to find them in the Sahara Desert, right? And so that clear-cut yeah. the first year, it was so close to spring, it didn't really start greening up until till maybe the end of the season. See, okay. see, you want to well, try – I'm sorry, I was
1: wrong. I was wrong. They they didn't clear-cut it. They actually just thinned it. But it wasn't like a – I mean, they, they thinned it a lot. But they didn't, really the only thing they left were the big trees and that was it. They cut pretty much every, every small tree, they, they cut them all.
2: Well, I mean, and, and, and really and truly that's good. It's just bad timing. If they'd have did that in November right. or January at the latest, it would have greened up and had enough time for the turkeys to move back in and yeah. you would have had tons of turkeys. It was so close to turkey season, it was too late. And that brings up a good yeah, point. When you, when you, when you do management on your property, like prescribed burning or, or strip disking or, or planting food plots, you want to make sure that the timing is right so that by the time turkey season comes in, everything has started to green back up, whether it be burning, disking, planting food plots, whatever. Um, or even thinning timber. So and and that's not always in your control especially with thin and timber um cuz the logger's going to log when he when he's when he's ready to move on to your tract but yeah and, and the key to having turkeys like I said you want to avoid a monoculture meaning one habitat so you want to have diversity and one way of having the diversity like I said break it up and do these practices every year, but don't do it all over the entire property. Uh, th- maybe think of it in, as maybe in thirds where you burn a third of the property, but you don't burn like one big chunk. That's a third. You're, you're taking 30% or 33% and you're breaking it up into smaller little pieces that you burn all throughout the property and it looks like a checkerboard when you're done, and then the next yeah. next year you the next year you move on to the next blocks that you didn't burn uh, a third again, and then the next year you move on to the next third, and that way every chunk is getting burned once every three years. You always got thick stuff, you always got early succession, and in between, and uh, uh, another thing if you're if you're trying to, uh, like, get more day uh, early succession throughout your property, one way of doing that is called daylighting your roads. The roads that go through the timber, if you could talk to the loggers and say, look, I want you to cut 10 yards on either, either side of the main roads, not maybe your small roads, but the main roads that kind of go throughout the property. and Put fire breaks along the edge of the woods, and that way you can burn on either side of the road on a regular basis. Or, and then maybe when the stumps rot, you can eventually plant some clover along those roads. It's kind of like uh, like having a, a right away a power line right away throughout your property. And we know that turkeys love strutting in power line right aways when it's not thick, you know. So yeah. I think if you do that, I mean, because think about it. I mean, a road goes from one end of the property to the other most of the time, and then you got little side roads. Just think how big of a percentage of that property would be in early succession if you would daylight, like I said, 10 yards on either side of the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's uh, that's pretty awesome stuff there. Um. Now, I remember we talked, and I think this would just be something cool to talk about since you were talking about you know that it's burning um I think you told me it was I'm sure it was you we were talking about um if you had like a field or a food plot, or say you got a big pasture um what's the best way to make that pasture appealing to turkeys would you would you want it to be kind of would you want to leave it alone and let it grow or would you want to leave it clean cut all the way as low as you can get it or would you want it to be like a mix or you know what would you do
2: well i mean if if i was a millionaire and i wasn't worried about growing cows to make money um and wildlife was my number one objective i would break it up i would i would do strip disking uh in in the uh in the pasture and uh divide it up into several different small little chunks and i would uh so wherever you disk you're going to have early succession also i would burn like i said one one third of those, so I would just kind of bounce around like a a checkerboard and I would burn one third of those and and I would put it on a three year rotation that way you got some thick cover out there you also have um you know early succession from the burns and in and in between and also I probably would plant some um you know some fruit trees out there as well you know throughout it. And try to attract some deer and, you know, turkeys like fruit. Um, especially like sawtooth oaks or some type of white oak dropping acorns and stuff. Um, cause yeah. my goal wouldn't, my goal wouldn't be just to have turkeys during the spring. I'd right. want to <laughs> keep, keep them around year round and also to try to have deer out there. Cause think about it. I mean, a big buck, he's not going to step out in a wide open hundred acre cow pasture, but if yeah. you have it where it's a third of it's, you know, head high cover, and he can just walk those areas where you, you know, you do strip disking, you know, kind of in between in and out, he would be more likely to walk out there, you know, in daylight hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I will say turkeys do love a cow pasture. They do. But- most of the time, a deer is not necessarily going to like a cow pasture. That's right, <laughs> but I well, you might also, out in a cow pasture.
2: But also think about ahead. this too: uh, if if you have a big old cow pasture and you don't have any trees out there, see that's another thing. I would try to plant trees not only for to drop acorns or something, but maybe to have some shade because a gobbler's when it gets really, really hot, he wants to head down towards the swamp bottoms where it's a little cooler so he's not sitting there panting. Yeah. But but if you have some shade trees out there, he might be more likely to stay out there. And also when you have cover kind of dispersed throughout, you if you know he's out there gobbling, you can utilize that head-high cover to get in position and set up. You know, you don't have to have a tree to kill a turkey believe it or not, you do not have to have a tree. You can actually sit down on the ground or stand up. I've I've killed them either way. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, I think diversity again, I, I keep on going back to diversity, but man, that's the biggest thing.
1: Yeah. I do. I will say this. I think, I think a big misconception, which I mean, I don't know if you think this or not, but I, I mean, I, I do believe that turkeys, and this kind of affects a whole entire day, but um, I, I do think turkeys, of course, they don't like to be wet. Um, they're kind of like cats; uh, they hate getting <laughs> wet, but they have to deal with it because they live in they live outside. But um, especially in Osceola. I, oh yeah, but I have seen them now. I mean, I've seen. Some places, pastures, you know, they'll let pastures get, they'll just let them go and they just grow and the, the grass will be, I mean, the grass will be two foot tall, three foot tall, even, even taller. Sure. The, the bottom of the grass, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, whatever you call it. I don't even know the name for it. Um uh, not a plant biologist or grass biologist or whatever. I don't, there's a word for it, for the very bottom of the grass, like where the grass is like really, really thick and it's like hard to walk through. Um, I've even seen turkeys walk through pastures like that, you know, where it's, it's just real thick, clumpy grass. And like if we're walking through it, like your boots get caught in the grass and you can't even hardly walk. But I've seen turkeys walk through pastures like that, like it wasn't nothing and stay out in it all day um yeah but i do think that they i do think they would prefer it not be that way but i think they like it some too where if you got some parts of your pasture that are kind of grown up yeah they go in there and hide and
2: um all right sir this is what i've experienced over the years um we went hunting in indiana one time with the national wild turkey federation And we called these birds across a wheat field, but it was in the afternoon after the dew had evaporated. If you are hunting a wheat field in the morning time or high cover in the morning time and it's sopping wet, they don't like it. They don't like walking through it. I'm not saying that they won't ever do it, but chances are you'd be better off trying to call them to a, a different area not, you know, I have seen where they skirt around the edge of the field where it, it got mowed or maybe there's a road or something. So, yeah, you're right. They yeah. they don't like gets – we went out to Kansas one time hunting and it seemed like all the the public land that had wheat fields, and we're talking two-foot wheat fields, didn't have any turkeys. That would be these wheat fields on these river bottoms or creek bottoms. And the creek bottoms were perfect roosting habitat. But the wheat had gotten so high, and they probably had turkeys there at the beginning of the season before it got too high. But it got so high that the hens didn't feel comfortable because, you know, it's, it's higher than their head; <clears throat> they can't see predators coming, all that stuff. But also, the, the biggest thing is getting wet. And so we yeah. never heard turkeys on the on the public land that that uh, had the wheat. However, the public land that uh had cow pastures where the cows kept it grazed down had the turkeys so yeah that's that's a big point right there uh, i think i think yeah uh, always and again you want to avoid like i said you want to avoid a monoculture if you give the turkeys lots of variety there's no reason why they would want to leave
1: yeah and, uh, and, and I, I, I didn't think about this, but in another, and another example of that of, I mean, this is actually the opposite of what you said. I mean, granted, yes, they do. And it's just like I said, and you said, they do want to be in a pasture that is a little bit, low, a little bit short of grass, I think. So then, so they're not getting wet, but they will. Don't ever, don't ever think that they won't go through something. Um, I called up a turkey for a buddy of mine I think two years ago and uh, we heard this bird we got on a bird that was gobbling on the roost and we had to walk a mile I mean, I don't know how we heard it but it seemed like a mile through the woods we walked and uh, when we get there he's like yeah there's a pasture right up here and he said I bet you that turkey's on the other side of that pasture so we get there and he was, turkey's gobbling on the other side of the pasture. Well, of course, by the time we get kind of in his bubble, he stops gobbling. He He's nowhere to be found. He, he's done. So we're sitting there, and then another turkey gobbles on the other side of the pasture, a little bit closer to us. This is a different bird. And uh I'm like, man, and this is kind of late in the season. Uh, it's like one week left in the season, so you can imagine how tall the grass was.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was,
1: it was every bit waist high on, on me. Probably, probably closer to chest high. (laughs) And it was, I mean, it was right after daylight. So the, it was soaking wet. And, uh, so I told my buddy and the turkey, he starts gobbling out of nowhere. And we get, I get him fired up and he's, he's coming. I said, look, he's going to come. I said, but I said, but I guarantee you he's not going to walk in this pasture he's going to probably go around the edge and walk through the woods right here, and he's going to try to come up behind us. But no, he walked right straight, slapped through that pasture.
2: <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> he did <hit it> <laughs> <And> man. <you know, laughs> and you know what? I, I wasn't there, but I'm willing to bet he was on a cattle trail where it was a little bit easier walking. And I oh, noticed no. that, too. There was no, there I was, was I, there was no cows uh-uh. Uh uh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's what
1: that cow pasture.
2: Well, there we go. Uh, you know what? But I have seen that, though. Oh, yeah. you have a clear cut that's a little thick, they'll stick to the deer trails. That's because uh, they, they want the path of, of least resistance most of the time.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you always want to look for the best, you know, pretty looking open spots that you would think a turkey would be in, but you just, I kind of got burned on that, um, I got burnt on that last year, I mean, I've always been the, I mean, I still am, I'm a firm believer in, oh, a turkey ain't gonna cross that swamp, or he ain't gonna cross this thick of the woods right here, it's too thick, it's too nasty, he ain't gonna walk through that, and, Nine times out of ten, that is going to be true. But I got on a bird last year on some public land. I heard this bird gobble. He was way off, so I ran around. I had to run a basically a half circle. I probably ran 400 yards to get around to where he was. Instead of going through the woods to get to him, I ran around a really big food plot to get to him and uh he was on the other he was on the other side of a huge patch i mean a big huge patch of really thick um it was was nothing but pines and they clear cut they thinned it probably five years ago four years ago so so now it's and they never they've never burned it off so it's really thick now yeah it's super thick now like it's, it's literally almost so thick you would think a deer wouldn't even want to walk through it. And, uh, I no, know no I'm around. Really I, hey, I didn't. It, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was, and what made it even worse was it was really hot that day. And I was like, man, I'm just going to wear my Crocs. Cause all I'm going to do is go out here and sit on this. All I'm going to do is go in here and I'm going to sit on this road and I'm just going to deer hunt for a little while. I don't think no turkey's yeah. going to come. and it's, Yeah, you know. But no, I should have worn my boots. But I went around on this bird, and I got him to Goblin, and he kind of stayed with me there for a second, and then all of a sudden he started drifting, and he started going through all that thick stuff that I didn't want to walk through. And I was like, man, there ain't no way this bird is walking the way he's walking. But he did, like he started gobbling and he just walked away from me, gobbling all on his own. So I jump up my bell off through there and he's probably gobbling once every 10 or 15 seconds, steadily walking away from me. And, uh, I followed him as far as I could and I couldn't believe that he walked through what he walked through, but it was, it was thick. Like you couldn't see no more than five feet max max 10 foot in front of you it was that thick
2: and he walked through all of it <laughs> well i guess i it guess was, one thing we, <clears throat> one thing we need to keep in mind too is they are smaller than us and shorter than us and uh they can go through holes uh oh, yeah. smaller than what, it was, what we could go through
1: it was uh, a lot easier for him to walk through that than it was me i'm sure but it, it did kind of blow my mind that he walked. Well, see, that was the crazy thing. He walked right to where I heard him the first time where I was sitting. But I okay. I didn't call right there. I didn't call there. I was sitting there, and he started gobbling. I'm like, that was a turkey. So I didn't even make a sound because I was like, there's no way I'm going to call him right here. He's not going to walk through all this stuff. So I didn't even call. I said, I need to get up and get around to the other side where he's at before I make the call. Yeah. He ended up actually walking right straight through all that thick stuff and he was, he walked right past where I was sitting at when I originally heard him.
2: (laughs) It (laughs) was, you know, sometimes
1: uh, it hurt my feelings a little
2: bit. I bet it did. I bet it did. Sometimes they are we Well, we think they're stubborn, but there's a reason why they're not coming or hanging up or not gobbling or maybe just giving us a courtesy gobble. But sometimes when they're ready, they're coming, you know, and and mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it, as hunters it's tough to make a – you, you kind of have to read the temperature, like how yeah. fast is he responding to you, how much is he gobbling, Um you know, a lot of times that determines whether you get up and make the move to get closer to them or reposition or you you hang out and be patient. Um patience can kill turkeys, but also determination and and uh making a move can, can do things for you too. This it's it's a toss of a coin, it's any mini money mo. Uh, which way should I go?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is um, to kill turkeys. You just, it's just got to be in that right mood. I mean, aside from trying to corral them and if you can see them, you get in front of where you know they're going. Other than that, the only way you're going to call one in is, it's just got to be ready to be called in.
2: Um, well, it's just... It's just like the other day, um, I was turkey hunting, taking a lady hunting for the first time. And uh, we'd been sitting there. They didn't gobble on the roost at all. And I just kind of called about once every 10 minutes just to let gobblers in the area know, hey, there's a hen over here. And until I heard heard something, I wasn't going to make a move because it was kind of a central location. There was turkey sign there. I'm not moving, you know, because if we move, we're going to, we're going to bust birds and spook them off. So what happened? We, we heard a bird off in the distance and I said, there's no way he's coming to us that far away. And even if he does, he's going to sneak in behind us and and bust us. You know, I'm, I had a decoy out and I wanted to make sure the bird had his focus on the decoy. She being a first time hunter. I wanted to make sure that she had she had every opportunity to shoot a bird but um so we got up and we moved and we cut across this clear cut on a deer trail and i said if if, if matter of fact we've seen gobbler tracks on the deer trail i said the gobbler has been cutting across right through here so we'll just i knew a robe kind of wrapped around the clear cut i said Where this deer trail dumps into the road, that's where we're going to set the decoy, and we're going to back off into the clear cut, try to stay in the shadows. That's another thing you want to try to stay in the shadows if you can, not be lit by the sun. They don't spot you as easy seems that way. So everything was perfect, and then once I set up, you know, the whole time I'm moving, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling to him yet. But once I set up, I, I started calling. He answered immediately. Um he he never gobbled on his own. He would just gobble to me. And then I call again. I'm reading his temperature. He answers. He's getting closer. I'm like, okay, he's on the move. He's interested. I call again, he's even closer. I call again one more time. He shuts up. Doesn't say a word. And a lot of times when when they when they shut up like that they're really moving fast coming in and i'm like he's probably coming get your gun up and sure enough i mean like a minute later i hear a, a spitting drum i'm like Ooh, he's close um and sure enough i look up he's coming down the road in full strut comes straight to the decoy now um I should have taken her target practicing, but I I did not have time to uh, before. And she thought that she had to be like dead on the bird, that there wasn't like a a pattern where it spread out. She thought it shot more like a rifle. And I said, Shoot. And she wasn't shooting. And I'm like, What's going on here? Uh, And she turns and looks at me. She says, I'm shaking. And I looked at the end of that barrel, and it was doing figure eights. I said, that's okay. <laughs> if it, I said, if, if that's okay. If it's close, I want you to pull the trigger. Well, the bird, you know, he's finally, after, you know, sitting there for a few minutes next to the decoy, he starts to lose interest. And then he spots a sitting over there in the bushes, and he goes to leave. I said, now, shoot him now. And by the time she pulled the trigger, the gobbler's head went right behind this small pine tree and she just knocked a few feathers out of him and he, he took off. But but we'll we'll probably see him again another day. Uh, he, it wasn't a lethal hit or anything like that. But the more moral of the story is when they're ready um
1: they're, they're you know, ready.
2: Play, play, they're ready. That's right. Play it smart, but when they're ready, they're ready. And, and we all love those birds that I call them kamikatsu, uh, gobblers that just come in and want to commit suicide. But yeah. we, the, the thing, like I said, you asked me a question earlier, the pet peeve is when I call to a gobbler and, and, and he, it does, he just kind of gives me a courtesy gobble. It's like, you know, he gobbles when he wants to gobble. He's not gobbling because I'm calling to him. He's saying, hey, right. I'm over here. I'm over here. Do you want to come join me? You're more than welcome, but I'm not coming to you. And, uh, boy, it's like, how do you kill a gobble like that? And, you know, at that point, you almost have to reposition and – uh kind of guess which direction he's going in and, and just sit there wait on him and don't say a word. Maybe if you do say a word, if you were calling aggressive earlier, maybe when you reposition, maybe you want to change calls, sound like a different hen. Maybe you want to call softer, do a little, uh, you know, some soft clucks, soft yelps, some scratching in the leash, And, uh, it's kind of like fishing, you know, sometimes they hit top water and we love it when they bust top water, but sometimes you have to sit there and fish a plastic worm really slow. And that's kind of yeah. like uh, fin- finessing. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Sometimes you have to finesse a gobbler and, uh, yeah. and, and sometimes finessing doesn't work, you know, sometimes you just have to deer hunt them. And at, at that point, uh, you know, I will shoot a gobbler if I'm sitting there and I hadn't called and he walks up, especially if I have a history read him, with him and he's, you know, give me a hard time all season long, I will shoot him. But I would much rather prefer them come in strutting, at least do some strutting and spitting drum, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 That's a lot of great information there. Um We'll go over a couple more topics, and we'll try to start rounding this podcast up here um
2: that sounds there's good
1: one more there's one more big thing I want to hit on um, after this, but just kind of i mean we've kind of talked about habitat and um all that stuff, and a lot of that talks about you know basically what turkeys need, but pretty much like in a in a nutshell um what are the what are some of the top things that turkeys really need to i guess thrive <clears throat>
2: okay um you need a roosting area i've I've seen out west where you didn't have big areas of woods, but there was still small pockets of trees and they had ton tons of turkeys. And all the turkeys, you'd have a 100 turkeys in one little small little gully or something that was loaded with trees. Um, So you need roosting trees. You need variety of foods, um, plants, early succession, young plants, tender plants. That's going to attract grasshoppers you know they eat grasshoppers they eat plants they eat seeds they eat uh insect well insects they eat uh like frogs uh, salamanders worms you name it they eat a variety of things so definitely food and like i said we want to try to promote that early succession whether it be Burning, strip, disking, or mowing, um, to promote the early succession. I think the strip, disking, and the burning is better than the mowing. But still, I mean, if, the, if, if that's all you got is a bush hog or a brush hog, a tractor, and a mower, then, then you gotta do that. Um, they do, uh like water they they do like a, a creek or a little stream or e- even a spring they do like that but it's not necessary i think out west where you have an area that is more dry if you had like a a and pond like maybe a pond where that uh Maybe a ranch would have for cows to come and water in, you know, drink water. I know out when we hunted in Texas, they had these big round watering troughs and the turkeys would literally hop up on the edge of them and, and, you know, drink out of them. So, water, if I, if I wanted, if I wanted turkeys out west, water would be, water and trees would probably be, uh, my biggest thing that I would try to go for but in the southeast we have plenty of trees we have plenty of water for the most part so food early succession would be my biggest goal in the southeast
1: yeah I agree with that I mean they pretty much have um, unlimited choices to roost down here, so um, that's always something I try to figure out, and and it seems like you can. The only way you go and figure it out is if you go in there and listen several different times, and you hear them gobble, and you you just over time you figure out where they like to roost at the most. Um, because I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's a, I don't know if they have some kind of process they go through to pick a tree that they want to roost in.
2: Uh, you know I that berries, man- Ryan. That berries. Oh yeah. It,
1: yeah. It does. It, I, Cause it, I always it. imagine like if I'm in the woods and I see a big old huge oak tree and it's, I mean, it looks like a beautiful roosting tree. I mean, the limbs, it's got huge gigantic limbs on it. And it's a beautiful looking bottom or something. And I'm like, man, these turkeys, the turkeys have got to roost here, but they never do. So yeah. As far as, as far as what, what they like to roost in and what, then, I mean, it doesn't matter. I've seen them roost in, I've seen them roost in pine trees as big around as my leg. So, <laughs> as long as they can wrap their feet around that limb, I think it doesn't matter to them. Uh,
2: that's right. Seems like to me, uh, roosting trees, you know, them picking roosting trees, they like easy flight. To the tree and from the tree, um, not having to dodge a not having to dodge a bunch of stuff. Uh, for instance, uh, if they was on the top of a ridge, you know they're just gonna pitch off. to the tree canopy, the tree canopy right in front of them is easy. They just pitch right in, right off, and pull, 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 pull. they you know they roost up in the tree. Um, if they're on the edge of a cow pasture or uh, Maybe there's a power line that crosses a big river. Well, they're probably going to fly over right there, you know. Um, yeah, it, it seems, I, I, think, seems, I think too.
1: I think too. A lot of times they'll roost, and this isn't all the time. I mean, even here they'll roost down in bottoms, like down in a hole sometimes. But
2: yeah, you I mean, know why? I, I, think,
1: I, I think why is that.
2: There's less wind there, and the tree's not rocking as hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're on top of if they're on top of a a mountain, on the very top of the mountain, I mean, the bird is, and you have strong winds, they're going to be rocking. Um, I think I I I think think wind has a lot to do with it.
1: Yeah, I I think that's kind of something you can kind of use kind of to your advantage i mean if you kind of know of general areas that they roost then you can kind of figure out all right maybe they'll maybe they'll be roosted in that bottom this morning or maybe they'll be roosted up high on that hill it just depends i think it depends on especially if you get a front to come in and it comes in like late evening before they go to roost and they kind of if they kind of get the memo of, Hey, weather might be a little rough tonight. They might go and roost in that bottom.
2: Um, well, I, I do really know think the, I that did, they,
1: they go through that thought process.
2: I do know this. If it's really raining hard all day long and they're staying out in the fields that when it gets closer to dark, they're going to be roosting close to the field. Right. And they might not, they might not normally roost there on a sunny day. So right. I I have seen that uh, in the past, but also uh, you know when when a golfer's sitting up in, there in a tree, we can't see their view, right? I mean, right. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to I think it'd be cool to find a roost tree and set up some GoPro cameras with with some remotes and like press record right at daylight and just I mean that would be cool, but yeah. I think what they like to do is they like to have a good landing pad where it's sort of open. You know, they could see well right where they're going to be landing and, and they're not going to be landing in something thick. You know, they, they want to make sure that there's no predators around before they pitch out of that tree and land.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're kind of. We're kind of going coming up on time here. we're probably running a little over um but i wanted I wanted to do i mean we and we've kind of been talking about this, and we've definitely been talking about the roost i mean the best way to find turkeys in my opinion is find find out where they roost at first, and the only way you can do that is go out and listen try to get try to hear some gobbling. and
2: I'll right. um,
1: but what I, that's what I was gonna say, too. you know, sometimes they may roost high, um especially if you got a flock. I know sometimes wherever that big bird like wherever the hens are that that dominant bird's gonna be roosted pretty close to them, and then he may have <laughs> some satellite birds they might be roosted a little bit off. they're probably not gonna be roosted right with the hens um, but we'll talk about this real quick and then we'll kind of round it out and wrap this thing up but what um how for for anybody that's new to turkey hunting um how would you go about finding birds
2: i i think even though i was self-taught for them for the most part as as a new hunter When I was, when I first started, um, I did learn a lot from hunting also with other experienced hunters. I think the best thing a new hunter can do is ask a very seasoned, experienced, successful hunter to take them turkey hunting. And, uh, you know, those type of hunters pulling the trigger on a turkey is uh is not the big thing it's it's calling in the bird it's getting in the game you know it's 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 experiencing the hunt so they would be more than likely especially if that new hunter can provide the land like if they was a member of a hunting club and the hunting club allowed guests maybe they could say hey I got I I got a bunch of turkeys. I see them all the time on the on our hunt club. Would you come call up a turkey for me? And I think yeah. that that seasoned hunter would be more than happy to call up a turkey for him. And and to oh, so yeah. learn as much learn as much as you can from that hunter and just ask questions. Pick his brain. He is if he's willing to to call you up a bird, he's willing to teach you. So, yep. I think that that would be the biggest thing I would do as a beginner hunter, but if you had to learn on your own on 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 how to locate turkeys, go to areas where you can find tracks and see tracks easy. Tracks do not lie. If you see a turkey track there, there's been a turkey there. Um obviously, yeah. right? Um yeah. if you see the big tracks and you can lay your, your index finger, uh, on the middle, thing, middle toe. And if his toe is as long as it or, or longer, you know, it's a gobbler. It could be a jake, but it's not a hen. And especially if you see the little strut marks on either side of the tracks, he was, he was coming down that road strutting off, or the edge of the field or clear cut, whatever it is. At some point in time, especially right after a rain, if the rain has washed some of the tracks out or you can see raindrops in the tracks. If you see fresh tracks and it rained the night before, you better follow them tracks
1: (laughs) and call. Oh, yeah, they're not far. Yeah, they're not going to be No, no.
2: No, no. Follow them and be careful not to get busted. Um, But, yeah, I mean – uh, tracks would be one, one way to locate them. Another way would be, um, you know, they're going to do different things in the fall versus spring. So don't even consider the fall. You throw that out window, but yeah, um, uh, to go out and listen, uh, before season and you know, maybe before work, before the time changes, you got a little bit more time before work, before the time spring forwards. And just go out before the season and, and listen and, and go to different points on that property and listen from different points on different days. And, and, and sometimes if you say, you know, I'm listening from this point and that bird sounds like he's down here and I listen from another point. And it sounds like he's over there. You can look at an aerial view and say, I was right here. The bird was in that direction and I was over here the next day. He was in that direction. And draw two lines across and you got an X, X marks a spot. That's where he is, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you come in there on opening day and try to position close to the spot where you think he's at. Don't get too close because normally in opening day, the foliage is, is thick and he can see further, but you kind of got to use the terrain to your advantage, you know, but like I said, Oh yeah. I mean, hunting with an experienced hunter one this season one that's been doing it for years uh man that's that's worth his weight in gold when it comes to being uh, learning quick and and starting to be successful
1: yeah i agree i agree well i think we can wrap this up joe um man this has been a great episode here I, I, i really enjoyed talking with you um I'm really glad we got you on here. I'm glad you joined us.
2: Cool. Well, I'll be glad to do some more in the future. You just let me know.
1: Oh, oh yeah, I will. Um, so throw out your, uh, let everybody know where they can find all your, uh, stuff at with Lost Lake and all that.
2: Sure. You can go to com you can go to Lost Lake dot com or you can go to Lost Lake Custom Calls. Just if you type if you type in Lost Lake and Turkey Calls, you'll find me. Um, right now I'm only making mouth calls. In the future I do have plans of getting into pot calls and maybe even box calls. Um but I've been making mouth calls for close to twenty years now. I used to compete Uh, on the competition level and i quickly learned that if i'm going to even come close to placing in these contests i better start making my own calls and finding what works best for me and basically the calls that i have on my website are calls that uh kind of combinations that have worked best for me over the years and i just make them available i make them the same way for the customers I would for myself. And I realize everybody calls a little different. Um, but overall people seem to be happy and I'm getting plenty of, uh, pictures from happy customers with dead turkeys on the ground.
1: Heck yeah. Can't complain about that. And I will say too, um, probably the coolest thing about Joe's, um, call making stuff and his website he has a option on there where you can build your own call and i mean if you if you know anything about tensions and reads how many reads you want and what cuts you want you can go on there and it, it takes you through step by step you know how do you want your call built and you can go on there and you can you can basically build it yourself, and then Joe goes through goes in there and puts it together the way that you ask for it, so I think that's really, really cool and I don't know of anybody else that's that does that does that
2: yeah, I like to make my customers happy uh i i I wanna try to find something and work with a customer until we find a combination that works best for them, and it may take a few tries. Um, you know, and give them tips and, you know, try to find that combination, whether it be a little lighter tension, a little more tension. I could, yeah, I mean, I'd be glad to help anybody out.
1: Well, there you go. You want to, you want to get a deadly mouth call and use it to kill some turkeys. That's your man right there. Well, Joe. I sure appreciate it, man, and we'll, uh, we will definitely have to do it again.
2: Yeah, we need to go turkey hunting this spring. You need to come, come up this way.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs>